0: To shake it and disturb to to everyone, that cheesy ball of cheese. Who's pointing at Oh, know, I'm John.
1: the cheesy ball of cheese. Yeah,
0: keep the thumbs up. Do the thumbs up. There we go. Didn't oh up oh, there we go. Don't know why it's doing that for you. Uh, it's John Thrasher, and I am Darren Carp. And if you are on our Patreon, thank you so much for being there. and The reason I say that is because John has updated our virtual backgrounds to have a little bit of a spooky, spookta- spooktacular vibe. If you will, you've added a pumpkin to mine. Got rid of some of the flowers. Cat tissue, the butthole there, if you you will, is still there. So that is obviously never going to go away, even if it's Halloween. But I have a creepier pumpkin than I feel like you do.
1: Well, yeah, I did my background first. My background update. And by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, you have to be a sussy radish on Patreon to get the video version of our podcast. So go check it out there and you can see our background. But on, the t- on my table, I put, hey, did you say selfish? I just realized you yeah, said Yeah,
0: I did. You're like, <laughs> I, put, I did mine first. Well, Rude. I did mine
1: first because Rude. I don't know. I just was working on them. And I put uh, a jack-o'-lantern on the table. And then I was like, when I make Darren's, that I was like, it doesn't make sense if she has the exact same pumpkin. That's not realistic. So I gave you right. the better pumpkin, in my opinion, because not I only agree. is yours it's bigger, creepier. Yes. it's creepier. Yeah, oh. it's creepier, it's bigger, and now it you guys is, heard it here first. For and all of those
0: wondering outside of this podcast, I love interrupting you.
1: Yeah, I can Who
0: has it bigger and better? It's me.
1: There you go. And I'm not contesting that. So there you go.
0: Although, uh, as we've learned from this podcast, you can change yeah. your brake pads, John, because you don't need a penis for him. That's that.
1: true. You've said that a handful of times. Not sure where we're going with it. The other thing about your pumpkin, though, is that it has light, it has the candle inside of it. Yours is lit up like a regular jack-o'-lantern, whereas mine isn't.
0: That's true. And but you also, have a little bit of a creepier a spider? framed yeah. spider duck, which... Yeah. you know what it is because obviously yeah. i love ducks but i hate spiders right it's 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 not necessarily having legs that bothers me about mm-hmm. spiders mm-hmm. it's the fact that they're like hunched legs that bothers i me. know
1: what you're saying like, like they're, they're always, always on at attack mode or whatever look you at know the gu-
0: look at the duck you know what i mean like look at that yeah you're That's not fucking wrong creepy.
1: Well, for and, those who don't know, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You were going to say something.
0: I, I, well, I was going to say, uh, if you haven't listened to our NMR on Patreon, you're going to have no idea what we're talking about here. And so I just have to go off on a tangent for a second and just go out of say, John, what is the name of the horse Beanie Baby? Derby. Correct. Thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Guys, so you guys yeah. need to tune into NMR on Patreon because Darren and John I have a game. can name I can any- name them.
0: Fucking not the not the new ones. We're not talking about like 2017 Beanie Babies. Although maybe you could. We're talking about like the 90s, like late 90s Beanie Babies, (laughs) when people really collected them. John and I both collected them, and John we started playing a game where it's like I just kind of shout out random Beanie Babies, and I gotta say, by the way, descriptions only. I gotta say, if I yelled out ten, he got. Nine. eight or nine of nine. them right usually like, nine. Yeah, yeah yeah like he it, it was like it was like not even I didn't even need to describe it for you and so if you haven't listened to this NMR I highly recommend just because we go down nostalgia Lane I know it's available really for do. patrons but yeah. maybe we'll make it available maybe eventually in the public yeah, yeah. public feed but if you hear me from time to time just being like wolf <laughs> uh and John saying you know sprocket you're gonna know yeah. it's yeah. just our random game that we have infuse now into shaken and disturbed
1: for whatever reason, I am just completely obsessed and with beanie babies. And it's like, no time has passed, even though 30 literal years has passed since then. Yeah. (laughs) One last thing though, about my background, you know, there is that spider duck hanging in the picture and that, Darren, is connected to our Halloween spooktacular, The Runes of Transylvania, which is out now. It's a standalone episode. Patreon members got to hear it early, but it's now available on our live feed if you're listening to this episode. And it's a little bit of a different type of thing. It's not a case. We, um, you know, I wrote up a script, we recorded, we acted, and you're going to have to listen to it to find out what happens. But it's just a little bit spooky, just a little bit silly, and just a little bit uh throwback there's a lot of like easter eggs from martinis and murder in there uh if you guys were listening at that point Uh, and it's really fun yeah go ahead you have another beanie baby go ahead i just
0: went on a tangent of the nine original beanie babies
1: oh i can name them yeah
0: you can remember the nine
1: I can, the, let me, the first let me try. nine
0: Beanie Babies were unveiled to the world in 1993 Three. at the World Toy Fair in New York. These nine plush animals yep. later became known as the original nine, which sounds yeah. like a true crime story, and <laughs> ended up taking the world by storm. Can yeah. you name the nine, okay. John? And go slow because um, I gotta, I gotta. Okay,
1: Patty yeah. the platypus
0: which i remember the colors of beautiful. patty the Platypus. Gorgeous. beautiful gorgeous gorgeous magenta Gorge. purple love with like her. an orange flipper flopper yep
1: live and love love this do this, do this because
0: i know we have to get to the case i know we do I'm need just, to get to this i know i just want to, i got to know this
1: it's okay patty the Platypus, i think was peanut the elephant one of those as well it might not have been the first one stand novel. by
0: stand by peanut the elephant was not
1: okay tabasco no well wait a minute Yes, one of the one of those B- Red Bulls was, but it wasn't oh God, Tabasco. I remember that Red Bull? I remember was, it that was. They, they renamed it Tabasco, and I forget. One of name. them was
0: a pig. Can you name the pig?
1: Winks. What color is the pig?
0: Pink, light, light, light pink. And then we're gonna have. Let to me get back to that. no. Let me get back okay. to that chocolate. The yep. moose. Yep, got that.
1: There was the white seal, but I'm forgetting its name. Mm-mm. No, no. Mm-mm.
0: Mm-mm. You might be thinking of the, uh, like the, uh, a, a dog. Black a white and white dog. dog.
1: Black and white dog named Dottie. No. No?
0: See, this is, Hold we're going to be right. Because now, now, we've, <laughs> now we've just gone on a tangent. And now you seem wrong when we're just promoting the NMR. It's just crazy.
1: I know. Oh, Legs the Frog. Correct. Uh, Dot was, what's the name of the dog?
0: Spot. Spot.
1: Um pinchers, cubby.
0: Yes, cubby's there. Yep, pinchers is there. Pinchers.
1: I don't remember the the pig's name. And there was a whale and an orca, but I don't remember their names either. Slippery? Slip.
0: The orca slip- whale was Flash. Oh. Oh. And the other one was Splash.
1: Splash.
0: And then you got legs, you got spot, and the pig was squealer. Squealer. Yeah. yeah, those
1: are so old. I didn't have any of those. I might have had pinchers, but I didn't have those. Oh my those God, had the,
0: we had the chocolate mousse. We had the
1: mousse and the mousse and patty were still being made at the time of the height, but they did discontinue some of those other ones. Like you patty, couldn't buy man. legs. You couldn't buy legs. There was and when another I go frog to New York
0: that... next week, I, I got, my mom's going to be so happy. I'm going to go through the Beanie Babies. Please I'm do. Take a I'm oh my mix. God,
1: please. I'm going to cry. There was another frog that came out later called Smoochy or Smoochums or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, guys. Go check out our Halloween spectaculars available now. It's highly recommended that you use headphones to get the full experience of the sound design. Like we said, no spoilers yet, but Darren and I invited a special guest to join in on the fun. So go see who that was.
0: Like I and said, we wanted sound to do design something is very good. Sorry to interrupt. It is yeah. very good. And I think you can listen to this with kids. It's not, I think you might throw one F-bomb. You throw
1: one F-bomb. Okay, cursing-wise,
0: yes, maybe for me. But in general, I would say it's probably a PG-13 type of story. But yes, I do throw in one F-bomb. Good call, John.
1: Oh, one other thing before we keep going. I have to mention something. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it's time to start thinking about holiday shopping. Yeah. And just like last year, I am right back on my favorite gift website, uncommon goods i was on it last night and already found the perfect gift for a true crime fan i have many of them as you might expect um okay get this it's a murder mystery jigsaw puzzle but it's not what you think so let me actually just like read the description to you so begin by reading the story of the incident then guided by the narrative rather than a visual reference complete the jigsaw the finished image provides all the clues you need to decipher who done it. Is that not the coolest thing you've ever heard of? I just thought it was so amazing. I have a true crime friend of mine who also loves puzzles. I'm getting this for her. I'm just so excited to get it. And the best part is that we now have a code. I'm going to be say, I'm literally going to be using this code. So if you want to buy this jigsaw puzzle or literally anything else on the site, which is full of really incredible stuff. As a listener of Shaken and Disturbed, you're going to get a discount. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash shaken. That's uncommongoods.com slash shaken for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Okay, so now we can get on to this week's show. I am cannot wait to get that jigsaw puzzle in the mail. I'm gonna have to just buy one for myself, actually. But anyway, uh, let's get into this week's episode now. So, on the evening of Wednesday, September 25th, 1996, David and Jody Becker left their home in Northern California for a date night. Their 17 year old daughter Casey was a senior in high school. And their 19-year-old son, Chuck, had recently left for college. And now that their children were older, the couple was enjoying, you know, going out on more date nights as a couple. And this week was dinner at their favorite Mexican restaurant. Well, the two left their home around 7 p.m. while their daughter stayed home alone. Shortly after 10 p.m., Jody and Dave returned home and parked their car outside of their home, which appeared totally normal. At this point, everything looked, you know, par for the course. But once inside, however, they found their home in complete disarray. Their windows were smashed and their objects thrown all over the floor, and Casey was nowhere to be seen. Now, hmm. frightened, Dave urged his wife to run to a neighbor's house to call for help. Like, clearly something had happened. Their house was yeah. completely destroyed. The site that met Jody: as yeah,
0: I got to be honest. if I'm going through this and something's happened with my partner yeah. I'm not necessarily being like go yeah. outside to a neighbor's house. I'm like call nine one one, right? Yeah, so jump
1: on the phone right away, right?
0: May, right. It's a little. I wouldn't want anyone to leave the house, kind of. or no. I'd want to stay together.
1: You'd want to be rather. together, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's totally a, a legit response. I agree. Well, the sight that met Jody outside was a brutal scene that no parent should ever have to witness. The body of her daughter, Casey, was strung up from a large tree in the front lawn. Holy shit. Casey had been brutally stabbed to death and her body prominently suspended in full view of the street and neighboring houses. Yeah, it's just despicable. That's
0: that's horrible.
1: Terrifyingly, Jody and Dave had only been inside their home for less than a few minutes and there had been no sight of Casey as they'd parked their car. Her killer had lain in wait for her parents to enter the home before putting Casey's body in the tree. I mean, this is Okay, yeah, that's
0: that's sadistic because obviously, like I guess depending on how the house is, if you're gonna drive up, that's something you're gonna see. That's not anything sort of hidden. So for them to actually know that, and also that seems like a feat of strength to be able to kind of, as gruesome as it is, hang someone up in the matter of almost a couple minutes.
1: Yeah, that, it's almost like, how is that even possible? Yeah. Well, the police and the paramedics arrived at the scene, and they were able to confirm that Casey had been killed only a few minutes prior to being found. <sighs> Which is scary. As they continued yeah. to sweep the crime scene, police made another chilling discovery. The body of Casey's boyfriend, Steve, also found in the back patio. Steve had been tied up and gagged and had died of multiple stab wounds also with only a few minutes of being found. So these are like really fresh.
0: I was going to say the killers right near murders,
1: yeah. Well, later that evening investigators learned that roughly 10 phone calls had been made to the Becker household within only a few minutes of the murders. This was incredibly suspicious as you can imagine, and the police suspected the numerous phone calls may have been ha- may have been somehow tied to the killings. Now, Something to think a about. This is the stretch. Yeah, this is the late '90s. So tracking phone numbers, connecting them to cell phones and locations—that really wasn't a thing yet in the late '90s. So something. That to think it was about.
0: like caller ID or anything, really. I mean, yeah, like, really that didn't not. Come really. Out, didn't come out until later. I don't remember that yeah. from our childhood. So yeah. the following day, their small town was obviously a buzz with the news of the young teener's tragic murders. One of the most notable parts of the case was kind of the timing of the crime. This was a small town and almost exactly a year prior another high profile murder had taken place. On can I September say one thing? Oh, I yeah. just want to
1: jump in here because we had heard so much about all the murders that would happen in like the late 70s in southern California. So you kind of associate like a serial killer or something like that with southern like Sacramento, the Golden State Killer and stuff. But this was northern California, which is for all intents and purposes and Darren you're a new Californian, so maybe you can weigh in on this even. Um you know, not that it's necessarily quieter, but the, it's not the L.A., San it's Diego. Yeah, yeah, way I mean, more spread it, out. Yeah,
0: it is a little bit. I mean, even where I live, is it feels quieter than what you'd think L.A. would be. You yeah. know, L.A. is like it's a city, but it's so spread out. And California feels yeah. like that way, too. So, totally. like I, I said, it's a small town. And a year prior, another high prof- profile murder had taken place on yeah. uh, September 28th, 1995. A local woman named Maureen was also killed. Her lover, a man named CW, was convicted of her first degree murder and sent mm. to prison. Seems like an open and shut kind of case. Yeah. Marine's murder was the biggest crime the small town had seen in years. And another double homicide with an almost identical date made this even more uneasy. Okay. Right. Like, and I, and granted, I do feel this way sometimes with crimes where people are like, it's connected, you know, at any given point in time. You, you know you give sort of the, you know the old like theories like you give monkeys kind of a typewriter eventually they will type out shakespeare it's kind of like you want to find a connection to some things you probably yeah. could right like well, a also, murder and they, could happen at any yeah time, you know and there's
1: you know you teach a man to fish and there's no i in team you know like ellen once said
0: right we didn't come Something this far to, to come this about. far
1: yeah exactly. exactly
0: it's what i was thinking
1: <laughs> yeah totally
0: so, So the crime had garnered national attention in the years since Maureen's death, a journalist had become the most, the foremost authority on the case. The journalist had covered the aftermath of the crime, CW's trial, and even written a tell-all book about the case, including details of the affair between Maureen and Hmm. CW, the man who would one day take her life. This sort of feels like Pat Oswalt's wife, who
1: yeah almost not
0: single-handedly brought down the golden sea killer but like
1: kind of yeah kind of yeah but this is what i was just going to say it's like leave it to the author leave it to the journalist leave it to now the true crime podcaster it's like where are the police in a situation like this not that they're not always doing what they should be doing but it's like there's only so much resources that police can dedicate to one case you know
0: As soon as word broke out about Casey and Steve's deaths, which obviously didn't take long, it's this small town, the journalists arrived to town to cover the most recent killings on the first anniversary of Maureen's death. This caused a major stir within the small town locals, who were also busy discussing the unbelievably tragic events I can only imagine if social media existed back then.
1: Oh my god, yeah. Especially in a small town. The rumor
0: mill. Right, the rumor mill. And among them was Maureen's 17-year-old daughter, Whitney. Whitney and Casey were in the same grade at the local high school and had grown up together, as did many of the students in the small town. Whitney and her father, Neil, were already mentally and emotionally bracing themselves to reach the first anniversary of Maureen's death. And the sudden and violent loss of her classmate was extremely rough on the young woman. That's a lot of death of yeah,
1: for a definitely. young person's life.
0: Yeah, definitely. And as it happened, Neil was scheduled to leave town for a week to attend an international work conference on Thursday, the 26th, the day after Casey and Steve's bodies were found. By all accounts, Steve was apprehensive about leaving Whitney alone in such an emotional, fragile state, but his daughter assured him that she'd be all right and encouraged him to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, the sad reality about this type of stuff is, you know, life does go on. You have to find a way through, you know, that darkness, no matter how deep and heavy it is. Well, in the small hours of Thursday morning, Neil left for the airport before Whitney woke up for school. That afternoon, Whitney returned home from school, planning to meet up with her best friend uh, later in the evening. But while alone in the house, Whitney received a phone call from someone saying that they were going to kill her. Initially, she believed it to be a prank call. I think anybody probably would. But as the conversations progressed, the caller began to make increasingly personal comments about Maureen's murder and upsetting Whitney and leading her to believe that the caller might even be somebody that she knew. And while she was still on the phone with the caller, Whitney was attacked by a large knife wielding assailant in her home, wearing all black, oh with something Uh-oh. covering their face. Yeah. Fortunately, Whitney was now, able to hold yeah, on. Yeah. I
0: know that you guys accused me of wearing all black.
1: Yeah, that's true. This I could can could this have been Darren?
0: Say this is not yeah. me. I can How old were you in
1: 1996? Just to be sure. I was
0: eight. I was eight. Okay. Well, well,
1: let's see where the when let's see where possible. the story goes. Anything's possible. Um. That just reminded me there was um there was this video that we posted where uh, I was telling you about my little cousin who was just way cooler than me, and I forget what I said. It was something like, "Listen, I'm not a blah blah blah." And you were like, "Well, as far as we know." And I just well, thought I it mean, was so funny the way you. Put I
0: mean, that. you know, well, you know, May- maybe, maybe know. I do. Yeah, maybe exactly. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Well anyway, yeah, so she's being attacked in her house now. Unfortunately, she was able to fight off her attacker, evading um by, evading by barricading herself in a bedroom and calling the police. Now, according to Whitney, the attacker spent several minutes trying to force their way into the bedroom until the police arrived and they fled. As the authorities, and by the way, were the police like did they not see anything here? Like That's what's going right. on?
0: Exactly.
1: As the authorities entered the house, Whitney's boyfriend also arrived at the scene. Whitney and her boyfriend, William, were in the same class and had been dating for over a year. But the trauma of losing her mother in such a violent way had put, as you can expect, an extremely significant strain on their young relationship. I mean, these, you know, they're they're late teens, but they're still children, you know, in a lot of ways. Well, despite her grief, Whitney and William stayed together into their senior year, and by all accounts, you know, seemed fairly he seemed fairly supportive of her grieving process, although there were several occasions where he became a little frustrated with her preoccupation with murder. Well, you know, look, when your mom dies, and then yeah. two people that you know from your At school a young die, age, yeah, that's a lot.
0: It's gonna, yeah.
1: Though William had a habit of visiting Whitney late at night, the already frightened girl was shaken and disturbed by his sudden Ooh. and an unannounced appearance in the midst of her attack. Yeah, that's a little sus and, in and And itself. we still
0: don't really know any motive here. I mean, they, Not at all. We, ha- we haven't really gotten any of the research of maybe what this family was in the ha- in, outside of the fact that they lived in the same town right. when Maureen was murdered a year ago. We don't really know any motivation of why they're attacking this family kind of so brutally.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, as they arrived, police conducted a sweep of the house and yard in an attempt to apprehend the apprehend excuse me apprehend the perpetrator. Uh, but he was nowhere to be found. But they did locate the plastic mask that he wore during the attack on Whitney. You know, very you hear about this from time to time. Whatever, it's kind of like cliche to do that, in my opinion. So, seeing as William had arrived just moments after the attacker was last seen. Police were immediately suspicious that he himself was the caller and that he had simply removed his clothes as they arrived and tried to cover his tracks by pretending to be visiting Whitney. Well, police decided William was the most likely suspect and they arrested him immediately. However, nearly neither the police nor Whitney were able to get in contact with her father, Neil, to inform inform him of what had happened. Again, okay. no cell phones, no Snapchat, right. no social media. So it's a little more difficult on an international conference to get a hold of, you know, someone that way. But I think it's interesting that the police were like, OK, we have enough circumstantial evidence here that even though Whitney it's doesn't enough. think that. Yeah, that they're like, no, we're going to take him in. He He's he's definitely a suspect at this point.
0: It is a little again, the most likely suspect doesn't necessarily mean definitely much. Not. Like you'd think they'd want more evidence Um, but okay, I guess this does kind of happen now, as you can imagine, Whitney was afraid to stay in her house alone. She called a friend she was supposed to be meeting with that night, Tate, and spent the night at her house. Now, while the girls were in Tate's bedroom later that night, Whitney received another phone to Tate's house line. Uh, another phone, phone call, call. excuse yeah. me, the Tate's house sign. The voice on the other end was the same as the one she'd heard just before her attack right. earlier that evening. I can only imagine what she's thinking. Right. Whitney contacted the police immediately, letting them know her attacker had contacted her. Again, smart. You want to yeah. let them know.
1: Well, also, if William is in police custody, there's something to think about there, though. Right?
0: Exactly. Like, how how is that phone call kind of going out unless there's multiple people kind of working this operation right now we're police were obviously now able to rule out william as the assailant as there was no possible way he could have called whitney from locked in the jail
1: right exactly although
0: point. it is interesting though because it doesn't necessarily mean he didn't do the other stuff. It just means he didn't do this one thing.
1: Well, and we don't know for sure that this particular person calling is even real. You know, maybe they're just, they heard word about what was happening and was like, you know, trying to spook Trying to play a sick joke or
0: something, you know, which people unfortunately do. And on Friday the 27th, Whitney and Tate began school like normal. But partway through the day, the town authorities made the decision to close the local schools and send the kids home.
1: Because, yeah, everything, like, imagine the drama of being in a small town and this happening.
0: The decision was made due to Casey and Steve's murders, followed by Whitney's attack the very next day. Now, clearly someone was on the hunt for young people, and the students would likely be safer at home. Right. A full-town curfew was instated, and all residents were instructed to be off the streets by 9 p.m. This makes me think of COVID.
1: (laughs) It's very much like a COVID lockdown, although the couple of murders.
0: COVID COVID doesn't affect anyone after 10 p.m. That's, That's right. the way COVID works. That's the way what it works.
1: Say. That's the way we heard about it working. Although, you know, I think about this now and I'm like, well, if the other murders were happening in people's houses, maybe the maybe the safest place <laughs> was the school. But okay, this is what the town thought. Again, late nineties, small town in California. What can you do? You know.
0: I agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, Suddenly free from school for the foreseeable future, which would have sounded like heaven back in the day, Tate's boyfriend, Stuart, decided to invite a large group of friends to his house for a party that evening, which is typical of just high school kids. I remember
1: this happened. You know, know, speaking of COVID, I was in Maryland when eventually the schools around here started, uh, you know. Calling, you know, closing school because of COVID at that time, and I remember some of my f- friends' younger brothers and sisters, like my nephew and some others, were like, "Yeah, school's out, let's go have a party!" And it's like, well, maybe don't get in groups, but you know. So it was just very similar. Oh, I mean vibes. that's
0: I couldn't couldn't agree more. Yeah. And guests began to arrive. I was never. I would go to parties. I never hosted parties.
1: Yeah, same with me. Oh my god, same.
0: Not a hoster. No, no me Guests either. began to arrive at Stewart's house at around 8.30. Now, what happened next could only be described as a bloodbath, the likes of Ugh. which this town had never seen. Yeah. Shortly after the party began, Tate announced she was going to get more drinks and never returned. According to witnesses who gave police statements, there were a lot of guests at the house party and her absence seemed to go unnoticed by most of the kids. Yeah. Which is weird because she dated the guy who was hosting the fucking oh, that's party. That's right.
1: That is odd. Well, around the same time Tate left, the reporter who had arrived to town and her vehicle was spotted outside of the house by local authorities doing drive-by wellness checks on residents. This is according to the official police report, by the way. Well, authorities later ascertained that the reporter had been made aware of the high school house party, and unbeknownst to the students, had actually sneaked into the residence. This is wild, okay? Okay and planted a hidden camera in the living room Whoa. in the hopes of learning more about the slew of murders i mean you know listen if you're a journalist and we found out this journalist wrote a book and won a pulitzer prize or whatever um you know you're not going to you're not going to stop at anything to get to the bottom of it and if there's right. a large group of high schoolers getting together after a couple of murders I'd probably be stalking that party out too in whatever way that I could legally, you know?
0: I mean, yeah, you're... And this is me as a podcaster.
1: Yeah, kids will be kids.
0: Kids will be kids.
1: Yeah. Well, the model she planted was a top-of-the-line CCTV camera that allowed her to view the live feed from a screen inside of her vehicle. Easy to imagine, by the way, nowadays, but technology, that technology wasn't really available in 1996, in mass, at least. Well, the reporter's camera captured Whitney and William leaving the living room together and uh, heading upstairs. Whitney later told police that she and her boyfriend went into a bedroom to find somewhere quiet to talk. After all, the last time they'd been together, she had accused him of trying to kill her, and she wanted to apologize. Now, according to Whitney, partway through the conversation, the same large figure in a black cloak entered the room mm. out of nowhere, wielding what appealed to, appeared to be another large butcher knife.
0: Okay, a black cloak.
1: I know, it's like, what is Like, going did they on here? go
0: to the fucking Halloween store to buy yeah. the, like, you know, classic, the like, scary killer, fucking yeah. thing? Yeah, right.
1: It's so silly. Well, William tried to fight off the attacker and suffered several stab wounds as Whitney fled for her life. That's what I would do. I would never try to attack somebody back. I'm, nine times out of ten, I'm not winning that, you know? probably well, not yeah it
0: depends I mean certainly in self-defense I would you know if someone was trying to like yeah hold me down rape me or something like that well, like that I would, I would definitely you know like do, yeah. I I would like to think that I would go in and defend my partner <laughs> I would like to
1: think that I mean I guess it all it's, but you know you always wonder I mean I think you know everybody's different everyone's uh even everyone's like um
0: well it's a fight or flight response thing that's what i was just going to say and i think in those moments it's so that's why we try not to judge people because i think it's so hard to say in that moment when anyone would do i think morally we'd all want to say like we're going to be that person that helps but in those moments if you're so scared you're crippled and you're paralyzed like are you to blame i mean you can't kind of help your natural like
1: instinct of whatever it might be response right exactly yeah well she ran down the stairs for help. But because remember, there's supposed to be a whole living room full of people partying, but found the living room empty.
0: Unbeknownst hey,
1: to Whitney, almost all the partygoers had left while she was upstairs with her boyfriend. The reason everyone left was because they got word that the body of the high school principal had been discovered that's... strung up on the school football field in a similar mani- manner to the way Casey had been found hanging from the tree in her yard. Brutal way to go. So now we can tell that there's definitely a serial killer on the loose in this town, right? The manner of death and the techniques being used here, they're very similar. The students had rushed to the school to see if they could get a glimpse of the crime scene before it was cleaned up. So now it was just Whitney, you know, essentially alone in the house.
0: Now, yeah, so she's apparently alone in the house, this Whitney well, girl with, is. Other
1: than this, what's going on upstairs, right?
0: Well, Right. And as she runs through the home and yard looking for anyone to help her, she came upon a grisly sight. The body of her best friend, Tate, wedged Ugh. halfway out of the sliding garage door's doggy door.
1: This is wild.
0: The town coroner later determined that Tate had suffered multiple stab wounds before she ultimately died of a broken spine from being lodged in the door. It, it, do you remember the movie Ghost? Did you remember yeah. that movie? Yeah, Did you remember, yeah. Do you remember the bad guy? um what's his name he's in um he's in um what's the carry wash scandal he's the scandal. president scandal T- oh, okay. tony whatever his name is um how he dies with the window crashing in on his oh body. yeah yeah
1: yeah that's kind of what creepy. made me like,
0: it's so creepy like a horrible death Ugh, yeah so it appeared that tate's attacker had trapped her in the garage where the two struggled before tate attempted to escape through the dog door The attacker had simply waited for the girl to wedge herself into the door, then used a button on the garage wall to open the sliding door, breaking Tate's back as she hit the door frame. Unable to help her friend, Whitney noticed the vehicle parked outside Stewart's home, the van where the reporter had been keeping an eye on the party. Inside the van, Whitney found yet another body, this time, Jesus, this time it was the body of the reporter's colleague who was sent to be on location, a man named Kenneth Brown. Kenneth had apparently been keeping an eye on the camera feed when he was attacked inside the van. He too had suffered multiple stab wounds. This is making me think this is not just one perpetrator, that there's multiple perpetrators How this. can you
1: How can you kill this? How many, can this many people be murdered and it not be a whole group of people for as far as I'm concerned?
0: Whitney attempted to lock herself inside the van, but the masked killer had apparently saw her run for the house and was able to chase her down and force his way into the vehicle. Now, according to Whitney, with nowhere to run, nowhere to run she tried to lock herself back inside the house
1: well before she was able to barricade herself inside whitney was approached by two of her classmates who had apparently not left the party remember everyone she assumed everyone had had left the host stewart and another acquaintance named randy now both stewart and randy begged whitney for help each swearing that the other was trying to kill them Unsure of who to trust, the terrified Whitney chose to abandon both of them, locking them both out of the house while she hid inside. Mm. Suddenly, Whitney heard a loud thud coming from the stairwell and watched her boyfriend, William, collapse as he tried to crawl down. He had apparently survived the earlier attack. Now, Whitney told authorities that she had rushed to help William, but as she approached him, something about his demeanor seemed weird. William was covered in blood as Whitney scrambled to try to stop his bleeding, but she was unable to find any major stab wounds. Whitney then huh. recalled that William laughed and told her it wasn't blood. It was only corn syrup. Whitney told authorities that at this moment, Stuart, the party host, emerged from seemingly out of nowhere and began to threaten her with a gun. Now, clearly somebody wanted Whitney dead as well. Whitney tells authorities that Stewart and William admitted to Whitney that they were responsible for the recent slew of attacks on their classmates and for the attack on Maureen, Whitney's mom, the previous year. William explained to Whitney that in addition to her affair with the man, CW, the man who had convicted, who was had been convicted of her murder, Maureen had also been having an affair with William's own father.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. Lots whoa, whoa. of uh, things going on here. So William told Whitney that his mother had learned of his father's infidelity and abandoned the family, not just her unfaithful husband, but her son too. So now that's kind of the motive here you can hear. In William. Yeah,
0: now I get it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I get it now.
1: Yeah, William wanted revenge on uh, Maureen for breaking up his family, so he enlisted Stuart's help in killing her. The pair now intended to try to pin the murders from the past several days on Whitney. They explained that they were planning to hurt each other and claim that she had attacked them both. It's just really a truly horrific uh, thing unfolding here.
0: Yeah, and just, I mean, it's like cinematic almost yeah, in a it weird is. way. Now, Whitney watched in horror as the two young men began to stab each other in non-vital body parts. Okay. However, it seemed that either by accident or on purpose, one of William's lacerations to Stuart's midsection cut too deeply and Stuart began to bleed out. Both men seemed to be losing lucidity as they continued losing blood. And as Stuart lost consciousness, William turned his attention to Whitney, who once again tried to flee. As William began chasing Whitney through the house, the journalist, whose name is Gail Weathers, entered the home. Hmm. Hmm. Gail had returned to her van to find her partner's lifeless body and in a frantic attempt to find out what happened to him, She had reviewed the CCTV footage from inside the house. The footage showed her exactly what had happened inside, including Stewart and William's explanation of the murders and their plan to frame Whitney. Gail was armed with a pistol. And when she entered the home to find William in pursuit of Whitney, she opened fire on him, shooting him twice in the torso and one in the head. Good for you, girl. Good for you, you, Gail. Good for you. In the ensuing struggle, Seward tried to grab Whitney and overpower her, but she was able to push him to the floor and knock a television set down onto his body. If I was gonna go, maybe I'd go that way.
1: I mean, that's a lot a lot of people died that way in the late nineties, it seems. You know what I mean? I
0: I guess. Giant TVs
1: falling on their heads.
0: Well, Stewart was later pronounced dead at the scene, and once the two women were safe, they called local authorities, and the scene was secured. Officials were able to review the CCTV tapes and use William and Stewart's confessions as evidence to exonerate CW, whose real name is Cotton Weary, and free him from prison for the wrongful com- conviction of Barine. Gail Weathers later wrote several best-selling books about the events in the small town of Woodsboro in September of 1996 and eventually won a Pulitzer for her coverage right. of the case. Yep. Whitney Prescott was extremely traumatized from her ordeal, mm. but with the help of lots of therapy, was able to resume her life and began college the next fall, where she enrolled in a theater program. Well, that's great. Unfortunately, this spate of murders was far from the last the little town of Woodsboro would see. We can cover the rest of the murders, obviously, in a future episode. But if you want to know more about the case, you yeah. can download the movie Scream by Wes Craven, which was based on these fictional events. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween,
1: everybody. That's right. That wasn't Whitney. That was Sidney Prescott.
0: Sydney. Guys. Guys. Wow. Guys, Whitney we you.
1: Guys, we got uh, you.
0: Guys, we got you. And you know what? This is kind of a perfect time before we go to our social plug. I love the background, John. Yeah, if you're um, looking fact, on our
1: Sussy Radishes feed, I changed my background to the Scream background. This yep. basement,
0: minus the yep. uh, penance in the background and the guitar, remind me of my favorite scary movie of all time, which I believe was Carrie. And the reason that oh. I'm thinking I believe it was Carrie is, did you ever see Carrie?
1: I remember watching it in high school, and I know, obviously, the iconic scene, but I don't think I really remember it that well
0: you know that iconic scene was the least scary part of the movie for me yeah um right. in fact my brother reminded me of this because piper laurie who plays um, i believe that's her name who that plays right. the, carrie's mother uh sissy Spacek's mother in the movie carrie unfortunately just passed away this, oh. this last week um yeah piper Laurie. piper laurie and uh, oh. my brother then he said oh damn piper laurie died and then gave me the ca- uh, an all caps version of what I think is the scariest line in all of scary movies, which Tell is us. they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. <laughs>
1: I remember this that actually. line. Yeah. And, it, yeah. it
0: is oh, oh. and it is embedded in my brain. They're all going to laugh at you. And it is. Got to watch Carrie. You Carrie. Watch I might Carrie. watch
1: it. You know, I'm not a big scary movie fan, but I think we have to wrap up the story. Of course, by yes. asking, of course, what's your favorite scary movie? Is it Absolutely. Carrie for you? Is it Carrie I, for you?
0: Carrie is up there for me. Yeah. Carrie is up there for me. It was the first movie that really, yeah. Like when I think about being scared as a kid, and I'd have to like watch Ren mm. and Stimpy. It was Carrie.
1: Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. What
0: I have to I have to watch it to like calm down.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. I was like, that's not as scary.
0: <laughs> no, I'd have to like watch it to like calm down and like be yeah. like, okay, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and then I think the even though it's not a scary movie, you know, in Beetlejuice at the end. When Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are like being mummified in their yes. wedding dresses, and then they come yes. back to life,
1: that is weird. I don't like that. I don't terrifying like
0: terrifying to me as a kid. Terrifying. Just I would say sheer terror. My favorite.
1: You? My favorite scary movie is probably The Shining, but yeah. like The Shining is of course scary, but it's not like
0: it's like psychologically. Scary, it's
1: psychologically though. scary, and that is fine with me. the The type of scary where like like Scream. Let me tell you something. I hated Scream. It felt so real to me. I lived in the country kind of similar to that opening sequence. Courtney Cox, David
0: Arquette. I mean, it's
1: such a classic. I think now I would be able to watch it and be fine with it. But like back then, that movie really scared No,
0: it was scary. It was definitely scary. It made you feel like
1: someone was in the house, you know?
0: And I think... After that, when they came out with not another scary movie where they sort of make fun right. of all these scary movies, right. it made it less scary and Yeah, retrospect- that might be true.
1: Me. Yeah. I will say I remember the scariest movie from when I was a kid, which I'm going to have to watch it back now to see if it's actually scary, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, did, you've never Killer seen Clowns Killer Clowns from, from Outer Space? I don't think I have. Let me tell you what happened. Spoiler alert. They... They're these clown aliens, but they're they're clowns. Okay, this is like from the eight late eighties or early nineties. They're people playing clowns in giant like you know suits, essentially. Sure. And what two scenes that I will never forget. Number one, they do like shadow puppets on the wall, but like the shadow puppet like eats a man and like like he dies. It's terrifying. Look it up. Okay. Terrifying. And it's then, called
0: Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Killer
1: Clowns from Outer Space. Yep, K- clowns with a K. And the second thing that happened is they had this cotton candy gun that would sh- you would shoot it and it would wrap the person up in cotton candy and it would kill them. And then there'd be these cotton candy oh, cocoons.
0: Maybe oh, the cotton. I have seen this.
1: The cotton candy cocoons would like yeah. hang in their spaceship or whatever, and you would try like. The, whoever the heroes were, you know, would kind of like do this like in the um, in the cotton candy to like separate it. And inside was just like blood. And I was like, okay, I've had enough here. But it was like, yeah, cotton candy. It does, killer it does clowns. seem
0: so right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that I'm looking at the images. So you guys got to let us know what your favorite.
1: And I will, yeah. And I you will say, let stuff is. Yeah, yeah, let us know what your favorite scary movie is in the comments on Facebook or Patreon. One last thing on this. Universal Studios, Halloween Horror Nights. Mm. I don't know if they've always had this, but they had the killer clowns walking around on the grounds. Uh. And I remember seeing it for the first time. I think it was like last year was the first time I saw it. And I was like, no, this is my my favorite scary movie that I don't like, actually. So anyways, guys, we hope you like the so story. Good. We thought we'd change it up a little bit just for the fun of it all. And we have to give a huge shout out to Megan for- huge taking this and running with it. She did all of the quote unquote research. So thank you, Megan, for, uh, for handling that. And, um, yeah, Darren, let's get into it. It was so hard not
0: that. to say Gail and like, I will say this it is so hard.
1: What you guys so don't hard. know is we did have to edit a couple moments where, we, we both like, started laughing
0: by a tree. <laughs> 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 well, we <laughs> were laughing
1: at each other, trying to tell this, this classic uh, story. And yeah, so there's some moments that got edited out. It was tough. It was a tough one. Anyway, uh, let us know what you thought about it. Do you love Scream? Let us know. J Thrasher Carpe Darren. You can hit us up on the Facebook group or on Patreon. Darren, let's do some listener shout
0: outs. Yeah, Sarah on Patreon commented on the Halloween Spooktacular and said, loved it, super creative, and appreciate some of the martinis and murder Easter eggs. That's right. I'm glad you picked up on that, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, it was really, really fun to do. And John was the genius behind it. But thank you so much for listening to it. It was great.
1: Yeah, I love that. Denise, of course, our friend of the show and one-time co-host of the show, actually, also posted in our Facebook group, Darren. She get this. She listened to last week's Mercy Brown Vampire episode and had a stunning realization. She said, "Quote, okay, you guys are not going to believe this. No, I mean really not going to believe this. Just listen to the Mercy Brown episode. Mind you, I'm from Rhode Island, so I Google where the cemetery is that Mercy is Mercy Brown is buried." It just happens that she's buried on a cemetery that I pass Whoa. every single day to go to work. So, of course, I had to stop in on my way home and check it out. And wow. Denise, yeah, Denise posted a photo and a video of Mercy's tombstone yes, in our Facebook group. So I thought that was so cool. Thank you for sharing that with us, Denise. I actually marked it as like a, a pinned announcement in our Facebook group. So everyone can go and check that out for a little while. So thank you, Ugh. Denise. Denise is amazing. She's just, the way she's contributed to the show after all these years, it's pretty amazing. I know.
0: She's like, it it warms my heart to feel that we have like these friends who we can't really like hang out with all the time, but it feels really good to have you guys. Absolutely. It's just so fun. If you're wondering how to support the show, like Denise uh, and keep these episodes coming along, please consider joining Patreon. We have tons of exclusive videos and episodes Mm -hmm. that are not released to the public. We have some beanie baby naming games that only the patrons get. (laughs) And last week, Patreon subscribers got to hear the Halloween episode a few days early. It's really great. If you're a big fan of the show and want to help us keep it going, that's patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. It's also in our show notes, We appreciate any and all support.
1: That's right. All right. Well, everybody have a wonderful week. I think this coming weekend will be Halloween weekend, if I'm getting that correctly. So, um, you know, have a scream, if you will. (laughs) And check your freshies.
0: Remember, check your brake pads without pants. Apparently, you don't need a penis. All right. There you go. Even John could do it.
1: Apparently. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs)